¿Cómo estamos, FinSui? Todos que están aquí velándonos en Mérida, México. Estamos en otro live stream en vivo aquí en Mérida. I wanted to do a Spanish opening. I didn't have anything prepared, but what's up, everybody? Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, how to niche down and how to get more efficient building Webflow inside of niche projects. A lot of times people get focused on like these beautiful award-winning fancy, you know, like the Joe Moore designs or Joseph Berry designs type websites. You know, you want to win that awards style thing. And that's great. But not everybody's going to build a business around that, right? Most of you are going to build a business around production style websites and um, accessible, you know, niche style websites. And so we wanted to spend an episode talking about that. Um, Joe, any real quick thoughts before we uh, jump in here? Yeah, this is such an important topic that not a lot of people are talking about. This episode, it's going to go really nice into how to be more focused in the type of projects you bring in, how to really market your business as a specialist in something. So, yeah, I'm excited for this one. I think it's a really useful one for a lot of you out there. Okay, well, you know how we do. Before we get too far into this, let's F and grow. All right, what is up? Let's say hello to everybody in the comments with us today. Let me look here. Oof, bunch of y'all. Okay, Christopher Coleman, what's up? Colleen Brady in the house, Danielle. Uh, Brasino, Brasnio, I don't know how to say that, but Danielle uh, Nichols, Edgar, what's up? Ezekiel Roshat, Jesse Neiman, hey, what's up, Jesse? Uh, Jose Arce, Lizzie Curtis, Mariella, hey, Mariella, uh, Paul Ratchford, Penny, Ronald Johnson, Shake, Bazlu, don't know how to say that, but I'm glad you're here with us. Um, Shane Grady, Stephen Hilario, Tommy Gunn, what is up? Tanette Vimalan. And I'm sure a bunch of others will join us as we go. Um, we are in Mexico, but apart. So I can no longer shake Joe's hand. <laughs> and um, we're just on different sides of, of town and moving further apart as we go. So if you've been following us, you'll know that uh, I've kind of got this little stream set up and we're on the road bouncing from different locations. We'll be back in the U.S. like, uh, I think, what, October 9th. I think we'll do a stream, whatever the week is of October 9th, we will be doing a stream. We're talking with a Webflow agency in Vegas to see if we can stream from their location. And so we're going to try to do that everywhere we go. We're going to try to find a cool little space, a little co-working setup, a little something, something that we can sh um, stream from on the road. So, uh, Joe, any thoughts before we jump into, we've got a few announcements and just a couple things we want to go over with the crowd before we uh, get much further here. Yeah, I'll jump right into the announcements. We right. have our client first bootcamp. We have sent out the part two of the certification program. We are getting submissions in and we're seeing all the client first sites that are being built. So we're going to share the link again. If you are interested in being client first certified, getting a tag, putting that on your website saying, I have been certified by FinSuite to build client first websites. That's what we are doing. We're picking a select few to be the first group of people to get the certification. So we're going to share that. We just shared it in the chat. 
And yeah, please sign up for that. Even if you're not sure about it, sign up for it. We'll send you the next part where you show us some client first sites that you built. Okay, and, and I'm also gonna throw a poll out here. Do you sell in a niche? So while you're taking some time to fill out that client first form, if you're interested, um, fill that out. But if you're not, take a second and let us know whether or not you are operating in a niche right now. Is there like a segment of an industry that you market to or sell websites to? Um, or if there's any specific questions we can answer as we go. We always try to answer some questions on the run, uh, but we will have a dedicated section to questions at the end. So let us know, are you in a niche right now? Do you expect to be in a niche? Are you trying to do something like that? Um, yeah, or any questions specifically that you might have about how to get into this. Um, Joe, what's the next announcement? Oh. I'll jump into this one actually because this yeah, is this is meetup stuff. So, um, just wanted to give Brandon Tancott a shout out. He's been working with us for a while on the meetup side of things. He's got the Webflow Pretoria chapter. Earlier today, they did a episode called "New Markets, New Mindsets, and No Code." Um, so that was a cool meetup. Um, unfortunately, you know, time wise, that didn't that didn't fit with our audience, so we didn't get that announcement out ahead of time. But um, we will try to do that again. Get us your events as soon as possible. Um, Colleen is helping us kind of organize. Some of these events in the background, we're going to announce these at the beginning of each show. Um, upcoming today, right after this stream, uh, is going to be Webflow. They're doing with Pixel Geek, Corey Moen, Katie are showing um, how the No Code Conference website was built. So we'll all go bomb their stream after we get done here. And then the Floxies are talking career progression for designers with Dan Carino from H&M Events with Claudia. Um, due to the streaming situation here, I we, we won't be streaming that. Um, the, the, I had to come and find another co-working space just to get strong internet here and the setup back and forth, just not going to be conducive to doing the midweek stuff. So we actually, as the final announcement, will not have a bit live build this Thursday. We're just going to focus on the Tuesday streams this week and next. And when we get back into the States, we'll, um, expand that. And what we're thinking about possibly doing is just like a zoom call, uh, on Thursdays for the live builds. So we can have a bunch of people join us in zoom we'll be able to share screens and do whatever in there but it won't be as resource intensive on my end to try to worry about streaming and doing all that and so we may experiment with some hands-on live build stuff um oh and there is one there's a couple more things actually automate all the things tomorrow at 1 p.m automate your social media with stephen o'grady so that's episode number 59 of Automate All the Things. If you're not watching Aaron Kornblit and you're looking to figure out how to automate some of your processes, especially using Airtable, this is like, this is the way. Um, and actually, I'll be interested in that one because it's talking about automating social media. Um, so if somebody, let's see, can we share those links? Can somebody grab those out of Notion and share those links? Um, and then we've talked a couple of times about this event committee that we're building. We have a number of folks that we work with that are working to plan and coordinate events like Clone Comp, like the open house event, like the ugly uh, website party we hosted last holiday season, um, some of the upcoming meetups in different groups. So this is where these Floxy collaborations coming in. This is where these meetup announcements are coming in. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, I'm gonna share a link here in the chat. Maybe, let me grab this, control C. Mm-hmm, boom, I'm gonna share this. Um, and that's to join that committee. So if you have any interest in getting involved with meetups, if you're organizing meetups, if you're doing any fun no-code events, Webflow related, 
anything specific to the stuff we talk about or the stuff we do on the show, we would love to hear from you. Um, okay, so that's it. Last last thing is, you know, we are okay. We already did the upcoming events, so yeah, like and subscribe. Um, that really does help YouTube spread the word. So I think it's like seventy five percent of the viewers of this show are not subscribed to the channel, which is great because it means a lot of new people are finding the channel, but it also means that not a lot of you are subscribed. And so, um, yeah, let's solve that problem. <laughs> and then I think we're at the end of the disclaimer, Joe. So do you want to take that one? I will. Okay. Disclaimer for this episode. Niches can be profitable, but they're not for everybody. You don't have to structure your business like that. You don't have to be specific to one niche. You could be specific to a service or specific to some end result that is unique. Uh, but we're talking about niches today, and this could be some inf good information for you, but it may not be exactly for you. So please take these ideas, take these concepts, and transform them to your business and how you can get to that next level. Yeah. Um, and real quick, I wanted to answer this publicly. Daniel um, Brasano, quick question. What's the final deadline for the client first bootcamp? Um, there's no real deadline. We're going to only take five from this initial group. But after that, we will open it up. So even if you don't get into this first batch, don't worry about that because we're going to have you know, more of these as we go. The goal is to kind of just pilot this with a small group, refine the processes, and then scale that up. And so don't feel bad if you miss out. It's only going to be a small group on the first one, but then that'll expand as we go. Um, let's see. Let's, okay. let's answer and, this from Shane Grady before we, we move forward here. Sure. Shane Grady asks, can we join the committee if we don't currently have a strong community tie, but would mm. like to? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Rymar. I would like to think that everybody's invited to to join yes. this and be more part of the community. This could be yeah. your chance to start to have community ties. That's the point of this. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be running a group currently. You could want to be running a group. You could just want to get involved in helping us organize some of the events. A lot of times when we organize this stuff, like we just need help coordinating people, you know, detail work, like all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, if you have a group, that's great. We love that. We'll help amplify that group. If you don't have a group, we can help you build a group. If you just want to volunteer, you can volunteer and help us organize. We do, however, want to make sure we're getting people who are like dedicated to doing some work. A lot of times people jump into these committees and groups and it's fun to have your name listed as part of the group. But then when it comes down to doing the work, you know, we don't get a lot of output from folks. And so that would be the only qualifier, right? Don't care if you have a group, as long as you're passionate. It's very thin sweet like, right? So it's, um, it's more about what you can bring to the table as part of that group, not necessarily what you have before you get there. So yeah, good question, Shane. Yeah. Um, and then let's go before we jump into some of these Randall Johnson was saying, I have two, oh, hang on, let me put the auto push pull on these. I have two niches, electrical, HVAC, and churches. Great. That's good to hear. Let's see. Penny said something about technically I sell to construction home services, but not doing a lot to reach out wide range of clients in my roster. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about how to kind of identify that uh, niche market, how to grow that market, et cetera, um, and, and how to just do all that. So we're going to go ahead, let's pull these. 
And as you can see on the sideline here, we're going to start with talking about the difference between production sites versus like these award-winning, beautiful hero sites. So Joe, first thoughts on this. Well, award sites have a lot of web creativity built into them. That could be creative design, that could be creative interactions, that could be creative something on the web that makes you look at that and almost look at it like a piece of art. This isn't necessarily a site that's going to market somebody's business. Let's say a local business, for example. Award sites are more for, yeah, I think works of art. I, that's, that's a really nice way to put it. And then the production side, this is your site that's going to sell a product or sell a service or give somebody information that the end user is probably or may not be that interested in the artwork of the web. Instead, they are looking for information. And these production sites are here to give people that information. That's how I like to differentiate the two. And they're both really valuable. Uh, please make it clear that I'm not saying one or the other is better. There's, their there's a time and place for each one. Uh, they they just do two different things. Yeah. And the other thing you'll notice is that you, you should probably expect to pay a lot more for one than the other, right? The work of art thing, the impact statement thing is exactly right. A lot of times those sites that are on the awards or the other like platforms that kind of like recognize these beautiful design sites, they're not the most usable sites, right? They're desktop focused. They want big screen real estate. They're CPU heavy. Um, you know, they're not necessarily the site you might want for a products page or an e-commerce site or something functional that the end user may need to like access easily. Usually they're story driven, they're design driven, and it's all about that emotional experience when you hit that page. These are two totally different sets of like expectations and deliverables when talking to a client. And so, yeah, Penny's saying it right here. You nailed it, Penny. Um, awards shows are like a fashion show. Most people would never wear the clothes we see on the runway. Perfect. Nice. Literally, that's it, right? Love this it. is, Love it. let me show you the limits of what we can create. Let me capture your attention and pull you in into something beautiful. But you're right. What you see in the stores, Penny, is usually you know, some dumbed down version of this that's more accessible, it's easier to get to, it's a little more affordable. You see this a lot with cars too, right? The show, the showroom cars, the concept cars that you design and you see at the, like, the shows almost never make it to production. They're just beautiful examples of what might exist in like a perfect, beautiful world. And then what you see in the production line is usable. The plastics and the materials are a little bit more easier to source. Um, you know, the manufacturing process can be scaled. And so they can produce a ton of the production cars, but only one of these like concept cars. And so, yeah, great analogy there, um, Penny. That's, that's a great way to put that. Um, and Edgar Antonio is saying some of them have terrible UX. Yeah, this is it. Experimental UX. They're just games. They're, they're toys, right? And that toys serve their purpose on the internet. But if you're trying to build a business, a production business, or a volume business in web design, you're probably not gonna do a lot of that. You may have some of those elements in your site. You may draw inspiration for some of that in some of what you do, but there are very clear differences between what a production website is and what an award-winning, design-heavy, 
you know, awards type site is. Um, any any other thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I love the way that this is being described here. I think this is a really, really good analogy. And when we talk about niche here, we are going to be talking about the more production side of it. We're going to be talking about this very functional side. And you have to ask yourself, do you jump into this niche or do you not? That's, that's a question that every business has to answer. Also know that you don't have to stay in that niche forever. You know, you can pick a niche, get some business in that and let it fuel other parts yes. of your business and become less niched. So these are all strategies. We're going to be talking a lot about this, but really by the end of it, you need to make a decision. Am I going to pick a niche or am I not? Yeah. Um, I can start by a, a quick little story. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a great transition. Uh, just a quick little story <laughs> about FinSuite that FinSuite originally did not have a niche. And then it did have a niche and now it doesn't have a niche. So you can go in and out of these to help build up your business. Um, yeah, let's, let's get into this. Why would you pick a niche? You need to pick something that you are passionate about, that you have insight in, that you can be the leader in. You don't need to be the only leader, but you need to be a leader. People need to look at you and say, this is the company that needs to give you, give me my service because I'm in this business. I'm in this niche. Raimar, what do you think about that? Um, I agree. I think that like, if you're going to niche down, you want to like know a little something about the niche you're going to jump into. You want to like yeah. have an idea of that industry. It's very hard if you're going to, let's say go after restaurants and maybe restaurants is a niche, but I would say like pizza restaurants would be even more specific niche inside of that right and so like yeah. what do you know about that niche that's going to help you be effective in there right and so this is what you have to start thinking about whether you're going to pick a, a niche or not right like are you like is there something you can do different inside of here is your business already growing right like if you have a bunch of leads and you're doing a lot of like a lot of different things maybe you don't need to pick a niche right maybe you want to be a generalist maybe you want to be more broad scope. Maybe you want to be the awards winning designer and you only want to do two or three websites a year. And that's kind of the approach you take. Not everybody, like we said at the beginning, has to pick a specific niche to like work inside of. Um, and I wanted to answer this question. Somebody asked, I think it was Vimalan, is Webflow a niche or has it grown enough not to be one? I think not. And I'm not sure that's like relevant in the context of what we're talking about. Um, Webflow in the world of web design is kind of a niche right now because it's not like the industry standard. It's not a WordPress or something like that. Um, but in the context of what we're talking about, it, it wouldn't necessarily be considered a niche because like, we're not, we're not too worried about the technology here. We all know we're using Webflow. Um, becoming Webflow specific agency, right? Which is something that we have done, which is something actually, there was a, a Twitter conversation that at some point I maybe thought I wanted to address because um, there's like this Twitter back and forth um, asking about agencies that are going Webflow development only rather than being a full service design agency. And that is kind of a niche, right? Like saying that we're only going to develop Webflow sites, that's kind of a niche. It's a big niche. It allows lots of opportunities. We can kind of do a lot inside of that. 
And so that's one of the things we're going to talk about, I think, a little later in the episode is that when you pick your niche, that you need to find something that allows for growth, that gives you opportunity to expand. expand. You don't necessarily want to pigeonhole yourself into a group or a, a niche that doesn't give you that opportunity to grow or that doesn't have enough business to support what you're looking to do. And the other thing is a lot of folks, this comes up very often, a lot of folks limit themselves to trying to find local leads. And if you're going to niche down, that's going to be very difficult to do because let's say you want to build hotel restaurants or hotel websites or law firm websites or architecture websites. It's going to be very difficult to find enough of those to support you in one like geographic area. Um, so again, this all comes down to whether to pick your niche or not. You know, it has a lot to do with what your goals are, what your capacity is, what your bandwidth is, and really can you offer value inside of that specific niche, which will take us right into picking the niche. Um, did we cover everything in that last section, Joe? Do we have other notes in there? No, I, I think we're right into this picking one. When you're picking one, you don't want to be too specific to what Reimar was just saying. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself. You don't want to really force yourself into a, a corner where you don't have any more business to pick from. If you're too specific, the leads will just not be around after a certain amount of time. You'll reach out to everybody that's in that really specific niche. So Webflow, yeah, I think is a much larger one, but if you choose something like, um, local vegan restaurants in some small geographic area, it's, you know, you'll contact all 100 of them and then there's nothing left to, to work with. So don't be too specific. You need to really understand what's too specific and why you wouldn't want to to just focus a little too deep into this. Yeah, and Khalid is saying a good one here. My main niche is pretty much healthcare sector. So sites for doctors, dentists, et cetera. They have very similar use cases for the websites and this could be a great niche. Like healthcare is huge and everybody needs a website. Um, one of the problems you may run into though is that a lot of times these niches don't see the value in spending a bunch of money on their websites. Or there may be, like I knew a company that was, um, they built websites specifically for roofing companies, right? So companies that did roofs and they had kind of like cornered this market literally for like 300 bucks a month you paid that included your hosting, a new website every like 18 months or something like that. And it had all the marketing and stuff built in. And so people are building platforms around these niches. And so you have to be careful entering a niche that you're not finding something that's already too like saturated. Right, that there's already somebody who's created a product around this and you're going to have an uphill battle trying to sell a value website right a three five ten fifteen thousand dollar website to somebody who can go get it for 300 bucks a month off the shelf and now that just becomes a reoccurring expense for them and they don't even think about it right and so when you're picking a niche when you're looking for a niche you really want to make sure just a few specific things one do you offer value specific to this niche that cannot be found anywhere else Two, is there something you know about this industry that's going to give you an advantage when selling against somebody else, right? If you're dealing with architects all the time and every website you sell is for architects, you're going to start learning the language of architecture, right? You're going to start learning the needs of how they sell architecture and how they attract clients. 
And this can become beneficial to someone because now the next architecture firm, when you have that call with them, when you start saying, hey, what's up? I understand you. And you start speaking their language. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, they know my niche. They know my business. They know my industry. And that builds trust. And as we've talked time over time, the more trust you can build through that sales process, the better you're going to be at selling that. And so um, I'm trying to think what the oh third one making sure there's enough business to keep you busy. The last thing you want to do is get into a niche and then sell a bunch of sites and then find out that there's not enough of a market there to kind of keep pushing, right? Or to keep growing that. And so then you have to branch out and, you know, this becomes a whole different different setup. So, um, Joe, does spark anything in there that you need to chime in on? Yeah, I, I want to add to making sure when you pick this niche you know who you're going to speak with that if you are for example going after restaurants you're going to be speaking to the restaurant owner restaurant owners are generally very difficult to get a hold of mm. i used to sell to restaurants a lot a while ago a long time ago way before websites and getting to that decision maker is super difficult and then when you do they don't really value the work that you're about to give to them, because really they're super focused on their cost for the food, the delivery of the food, not as much these other things like a website. Yeah. So, you know, understand how difficult it is to get a hold of that person and also their technical understanding. Again, with the restaurant owner, some restaurant owners may not have a very deep technical understanding and they don't really understand the work you're going to do for them. Yeah. So, you know, be mindful of this. Really be mindful of who who's going to be on that phone call on the other end. And not only may they not understand it, they may not value it, right? There's lots of platforms for restaurants. Yeah. Restaurants is a tough one because there's so many little platforms that are just kind of doing this, right? They're kind of automatically scraping your menu. They, you know, they're, they're allowing you to like an open table where you can book directly through this thing. And it includes services that you just can't match with just a basic website. And so you have to think about some of that too, that goes back to the idea of like, is the market saturated? Restaurant websites are incredibly saturated because there's so many tools around the business of ordering from a restaurant, right? And so there's all these different things, like you may go to Uber Eats or you may go to Bite Squad or you may go to one of these mobile apps. And so a lot of restaurants are relying on this kind of thing or even like a Facebook page or Instagram, like here in Mexico, a lot of restaurants use Instagram stories for their menus. And, you know, like they're using these other platforms. And so it would be very difficult to sell one of these restaurants a five, ten thousand dollar website. They just wouldn't see the value in it. And they probably wouldn't have the time, like Joe was saying earlier, to update that regularly. And so when you are picking that niche, you want to kind of think about all of these things that may come into play. And I wanted to um, I wanted to bring this comment up real quick from Pablo. Pablo saying, as a personal brand, I want to sell web design to tech startups, and I have a business that sells only to restaurants. I need to niche down those niches. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you want to sell to tech startups and all you have is restaurant work in your portfolio, when you go talk to that tech person and they come see your portfolio, they may not trust that you can deliver the type of site they want to see. And so this goes back to having the portfolio. So when you do pick that niche, you want to make sure you're presenting yourself in a way that builds trust in that niche. And so um, somebody was even asking here when Randall was talking about 
Um, let's see, Christopher Coleman asked Randall, do you have two separate websites for the two different niches? And I don't think you need to. Randall answered, he only has one website. I don't think you need a bunch of different websites for this. You just need to make sure that the website and the work that you do presents enough value to the potential niche to let them know you do what you do. And as you niche down further, then that will build more momentum and you'll gain momentum. If you have 30 architecture websites in your portfolio, the next architecture firm is gonna say like, oh, this is the person that builds architecture websites. Boom, now I have trust, okay? So yeah, for sure, something to, to think about there. Um, Joe, any thoughts? It's really hard to, yeah, it's really hard to get started in niches. Be aware of that, that you can't just snap your fingers and say, I am now in this niche. It may take a year or more to really build up a portfolio where someone can look at you and say, okay, this person specializes in this niche. Yeah. FinSuite had a, a portfolio of local businesses, of restaurants, of things that we didn't really want business in. And I really, really wanted us to get into the startup tech space because I knew that those, these people really valued the work, but it took a long time and we had to take a lot of projects under our normal budget, just so we could get that tech website that we could then put in our portfolio. So maybe after two years or so, there were enough tech websites where we could say, hey, we work with tech companies. And if you look on our portfolio, you'll see a lot of that type of work. So you yeah. gotta be patient here. This will take a long time going from restaurants to that tech website. And I, I also wanna add to that, that the niche thing could be the thing that funds your ability to get into that higher level, right? Like maybe you nice. figure out a way to churn and burn. Maybe you've got a couple basic templates or a couple like core things that you can sell to the doctors or to the architects or to the whatever. And that becomes like a production thing that you can maybe like get a few people to help, you know, some freelancers to help build that. And that income can be the thing that seeds your next jump. Just like what Joe was saying there, right? Like early on restaurants, this little thing, that little thing, whatever. You don't stop doing those projects just because you want to step to the next level. You just find a way to get those done more efficiently, right? You find a way to outsource some of that work. You find a way to bring partners in. You find ways to bring other people in who maybe are not as good at sales as you are, and they can do some of that work. And those revenues, that profit, can then start giving you some freedom and the flexibility to take the next step. So Edgar Antonio is saying, I tried to find my niche, but discovered instead how much more I want to learn. There are so many opportunities in industries. Mm. This can be a thing for sure. And so again, some of you may wanna stay more broadly generalized. You may wanna just take opportunities as they come and your niche could be, I build boutique websites or I build story-driven websites or I build websites that convert or whatever that is, right? So that could be a more broad thing. I don't know that that's necessarily considered niching down, but yeah, this is a, it's a fair concern to just wanna like see the different industries and you may experiment for a while before you figure out like what's the thing I actually want to jump into. Um, let's see here. I, I got to disagree with you guys. Awards, winner websites get created on a wide range of metrics, not just flashiness. I hear that, um, but that doesn't discredit what we were saying before. Almost all of them are just on a different level than the stuff we're talking about. You typically don't see production level websites on an awards website. Um, and if the ones that get super high, the ones that rate on like high on accessibility, high on usability, high on all those different traits, responsiveness, et cetera, 
um, they're still crazy expensive, right? We're talking about 30, 40, 50, $100,000 websites rather than three, five, $10,000 websites, okay? And so I kind of, you know, like that's, I hear you, Pablo, that's that's a good point, um, but there's a lot to, that goes into that. So um, let's see, do you see anything else? Find the proper insight. I think a niche can also pick you. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. I have a catering business that has referred to me for a few other catering related projects. Yeah, that's a good thing. You do like some good work for someone and they become a great referral source and maybe that's the type of people they refer to you and that niche kind of picks you. So I like, I like that. I like that. Um, and this Paul saying, um, we have a, yeah, go ahead. Nope. Go with this one and we'll, we'll do Disney's next. Niche work is good for volume and speed. Niches are often larger than you think. Healthcare for one is huge, but you may focus on farmer, hospital web work, their business verticals, and MBA speak. Yeah, this is exactly what, I'm, what we're talking about, becoming efficient. You do one or two websites. You create some nice frameworks for yourself. You create some nice like starting points, some basic templates, some things that you can use. And now you can start churning this stuff out like at volume. And this is where then you could get some help to do this because now you can just become the, the sales arm and you have a few people that are kind of doing the execution on this stuff, boom, and that can that can snowball for sure. We have a comment from Daniel Brasno. How do you create your niche persona you're targeting? Great question. I think the best way to establish your persona in a niche is to show that you've done work in this niche. That's the best way to do it. Don't tell, show. So you can have a beautiful landing page saying, I work with mechanics. But if that person doesn't see other websites that are mechanics, it's just not gonna work. So you want a nice landing page and you wanna say, hey, look at all of these mechanic websites that we built. And guess what? When your lead sees 10 other websites of mechanics that are way better than their website, they're going to go to you and say, hey, I want to look as good as these companies. Mm. That is how you establish yourself in any niche that it doesn't matter what it is. You have to show previous work. Yeah. Um, Grace is saying here, restaurant sites are so complex. If you want to connect their menu and have it integrate with their internal systems. Yeah. Menus are hard because there's so many good apps, you know, doing this. Um, and then she's saying she quickly hit the CMS limit on a recent restaurant build which is, again, some sites are better with Webflow than not. You know, another platform may be the right move. And this is one of those instances where as a, you know, developer designer, it's up to you and the client to kind of make those decisions based on the needs of what they're doing. And so it may make sense. It may not make sense. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Uh, okay, was there anything else that we need to... When it comes to niches, I like this one here. Hang on. When it comes to niches, I like to look at desired outcomes, higher dollar projects, specialization, speed of day, etc. But if you're getting those outcomes already without a major niche, don't sweat it. Yeah, this could be, that's exactly right, Ezekiel. Like, again, picking a niche and working inside of a niche is not for everyone. This is not something that everyone's going to want to do or need to do. Um, however, it can be a very viable path for some folks. Again, that roofing company that I was telling you about, they didn't start out offering the product they were selling at the beginning. And now they have something like 6,000 roofing companies that pay them anywhere between three and $700 a month. And that doesn't include ad spend. 
because on top of that, they run ads for these folks. And so this became a massive company selling in this niche. And so, yeah, could you build the same business another way? Sure. Um, but it just depends on what you're looking to do as a business. What are your goals individually as an agency, as a shop, as a web dem firm, whatever you want to call yourself? What is the, what are the goals? And this is why it's important to have some goals and to have some vision for what you want to do. All right. This is why it's important for you to kind of want to know where you're going rather than just being floating in the wind, because, you know, then you can get pushed in any direction. So, um, yeah, let's jump to the next one. Let's jump to the next one here. Um, generating demand, because generating this is something. Demand. Yeah. I mean, this is something that's kind of the same no matter what. You got to find ways to attract the people you want to sell to. We talk about this over and over. This could be advertising, but I don't know that that's the most effective way. I think really is to figure out how to how do you showcase your portfolio and your work and get in front of the folks that are thinking about buying whatever it is that you have to sell and having them think this is the only reasonable, logical next step, right? Doing business with these folks is what I need to take my business to the next level, right? Remember, we're not selling fireballs. We're selling the ability for the for the person to be, you know, Mario, right? Like we're having the ability for them to throw fireballs. So you're not selling the plant. You're selling them with the superpower. And so just, I don't know, Joe, talk about generating demand as it relates specifically here to the niches. Um, anything specifically that we need to share with the folks on that? Yeah, the generating of demand goes back to what I said just before that when people go to your website, they need to see companies in their industry that look better than them. Mm. That I think is a great, great way to stop somebody and say, hey, I need to work with this company. Let's say snow removal. I worked with a snow removal, commercial snow removal company. They had lots of accounts. They cleared the half of the town out. And the way that I got that business was showing this other website that I built as a test that was snow removal and maintenance work. And this person just seeing that one project said, hey, I could see my company looking like this. I want to get to this next level visually or through content or through marketing or visual design or whatever. So yeah, I think that's how you generate demand. You stop people in their tracks. You, you make them say, wow, I need this. Yeah. And I think that is through a portfolio, whether it's for real clients or it's sample work or work that you took below your normal cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. Almost everybody, especially in business, wants to kind of stand out from their competition. We talk about this all the time is how do you stand out as a web designer, as a web develop, as a web developer or as a, you know, web flow person. And so every business out there is looking to do and accomplish that same thing. And so how can you reaffirm that decision when they come and talk to you, right? And I don't just mean personally talk to you, but when they seek out your work, when they're actually doing the research as to who they want to work with to do this thing, is your website the one that gives them the confidence to say, oh yeah, this is that hot sauce, right? Or is this... You know, just eh, just another website. Ah, this person, yeah, okay, it's it's nice websites, right? And so, um, 
yeah, as far as generating demand. The other thing is finding unique channels through which to sell to the niche. Almost every niche has industry associations. They've got communities. They've got, you know, um, channels that are specifically for their group of people, for the, for the folks that are in that industry. And so we always talk a lot about, like, how do you stand out in the world of Webflow? Creating clonables, creating assets for the community, starting a podcast, creating content, whatever that may be. So how do you take that same approach in that vertical, inside of that industry niche? Right. How do you do something, create a resource, create an asset for people in that sector that becomes undeniable, where when they see this, it goes back to what Joe was saying. And they're like, I need this. Right. And maybe it's a free template. Maybe it's just a, a course on how to build a website. Right. Like maybe it's something about everything you need to know as an architect to build a website. And it's like a little something and that generates leads for you. Right. It's like a, some kind of lead magnet, some kind of online resource, a little, I don't know, right? Just some kind of asset, some kind of thing that really shows that like, okay, this person again knows they're creating assets that are specific for my niche. Um, those are the kind of things that will help generate this demand and finding, I wouldn't say like, just start advertising in journals, you know, find the architecture journal and start advertising there. Uh, that could be too expensive and it's not going to convert. Once you get to a certain size and you have a thousand architecture clients, you may want to then spend some ads in the local publication just to say, hey, we work with the best of the best, blah, blah, blah. That ad just becomes a reinforcement, you know, to, to show off and put on your wall. And, and so the other people in the you know, industry just know. But as starting out, that could be too expensive. So how do you find a way to get in front of those folks without having to spend those big advertising dollars? Um, and that could be different in, you know, every niche. So, um, Joe, any, any other thoughts on that? That this takes patience. Everything that we're saying about this generating demand, you need to be patient about this. It's not going to happen right away. You build one architecture site, you build one awesome PDF white paper, that's not going to flip the switch to generate demand. This is a long process, but if you do it right, if you do it in high quality, it will pay off over time. I'd love yeah. to bring up a comment from Ezekiel. Picking a niche can sometimes be like picking a company mission, vision, core values. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes a year or two plus to really land on what you're looking for. Yeah. This is absolutely true. It's, it's almost like creating this sub brand or this sub mission to go and do this specific type of business. Yeah. So maybe you're doing doctors and um, lawn care. You know, it doesn't have to be the same, the same niche. You need to really find yourself in each one of those separately or together. You know, that's part of the... Okay. Looks like we might be losing Joe's connection just a little bit there. Um, so, yeah. I, and let's see. Is he, there was one other one I wanted to say. Picking a niche. Uh, Where's it? Oh, it was Penny. Um, Penny saying, talk to business owners in the niche you're interested in. What are their biggest pain points and what might you be able to help them with? So 100%, right? This is that unique value proposition. The people inside of a niche, like these industries, they're like little clubs, 
right? Just like Webflow community is a little club of folks who know and love Webflow. And you can tell pretty quickly whether or not somebody knows Webflow, right? Whether they're actually familiar with what's going on in the industry or not. People inside of these industries, inside of these niches will have that same like expectation. They expect you to know their business, especially if you're walking around talking about like, hey, I'm the person that builds construction websites, or the architecture websites. And so that's another good point there. Um, let's see. This is other. Yeah. Tommy Gunn was saying niche markets are also usually in talks with each other before the market gets competitive. So word of mouth in a niche is, yeah, it's key. That's a great point, Tommy. Um, Vimeo link is saying it doesn't exist. Oh, J Joe's telling me he can't get back in here. Um, what happened? Let me just check one quick thing. Yes. Hmm. Um, one second. Let me copy this and try to reshare this with Joe. Okay. Um, so, and Edgar Antonio was saying an audit. This is going back to what we were talking about, the value proposition that you can offer, right? What is the thing that you can do? Um, and this is a good way to show off that you know what you're talking about. Right, because if you audit somebody's company and you start comparing, like let's go back to the architecture example, and you sh you show somebody's website, um, and you know what you're talking about, you and you you compare their website to maybe somebody that has the things they're looking to be but don't have, then you you know you provide value there, right? If you call out something that the other person didn't, so let's say you have two web developers. And one developer doesn't know anything about the niche and you know everything about the leash, the niche. If you start pointing things out that the other folks they're talking to don't know about or can't like haven't thought about, that's going to build value. That's going to go back to that instance where like, okay, this is the person, this is that building value. This is the person I need um, to be able to do business with. So Grace is saying patience is also a form of action. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, okay, so loads, please. Hmm. So let me give me just one second here. Let me reset the guest link and give Joe a new guest link. Give me one second here, folks. I'm sorry. Copy. Okay, let's see if we can bring it back in. I just reset the guest um, link. Um, Okay, still getting a 404. Okay, so it's not working for Joe. Um, not sure what's happening there, but um, we'll just go on without it for today. Uh, let's see, diversifying the niche. So this is about finding another outlet, right? So we talked about it before, having a specific window for the niche. It's not necessarily like being super narrow, right? So don't pigeonhole yourself in, in that you know, vegan restaurant, 100% vegan restaurant in one place or whatever it is. Um, the healthcare is the perfect way, right? So if you're in a healthcare niche and you want to branch out to doctors, you want to branch out to a special type of doctor, you want to branch out to surgeons or uh, outpatient surgery centers or whatever. Um, and so I don't, you know, like, I, I wouldn't do, if you're picking a niche, if you're finding a place where you're just going to be doing this one type of business, you want to make sure that you have the ability to kind of expand that, especially if you start growing, right? 
especially if you get to the point where you start generating all these leads, you start generating a bunch of traffic and energy excitement around this one vertical, how do you then open up another branch off of that vertical? How does one vertical lead you to the next, right? Let's say it's construction. Well, what type of construction? Are you just dealing with plumbers? Plumbers would be a great niche, but how do you then make sure that you can open that up to roofers, to contractors, to welding operations, I don't know, to uh, general contractors or land developers even, right? And so one niche could lead you to the next. Maybe you start working with contractors and then next thing you know, you've got this library of contractors and then you get a general contractor, you get a like a, a land developer that wants to kind of have an umbrella over top of that. And there you go, you can expand the niche. And so um, yeah, I knew we were gonna get uh, some of that. Canadian pronunciation is also niche. Um, I was going back and forth on niche, niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we pronounce it niche in Canada. It's a French, it's always funny in America to say niche. I know, I always go back and forth. Sometimes I say niche, sometimes I say niche. Um, you probably even heard me say it different ways. I think Joe um, said it a couple different ways too. I never know how to say it. So uh, it's whatever comes out when I say it. Um, and the diverse, the, the diversity really leads to just having like multiple channels for business, right? How many channels can you create inside of this? And it could be parallel niches that lead to themselves, right? And it could be that you build a system that allows you to build one vertical and then get to the next, get to the next, get to the next. And now you have like three or four different verticals that make up, you know, your agency. So just allowing yourself, that's really the main point here in the diversity is allowing yourself to have room for growth, right? You never want to create a place where like you hit a dead end with leads. This is why you don't want to pick a small niche and this is why you want to give yourself enough room to diversify that niche as you grow, which can allow you to create a temporary monopoly. And when we talk about temporary monopoly, this isn't like a negative thing. This isn't something that like, um, you know, like you're not trying to corner the market per se in the context of like a, a true monopoly. What you're trying to do is kind of be ahead of the curve. You're trying to be like the, the roofing company that I was talking about earlier. They were the first to market with this cool product specifically for roofing companies, but it didn't start out as a product. It started out as one website and then it went to two websites and three. And next thing you know, they had 50 roofing companies and that led them to start thinking about, okay, what kind of tools do roofing companies need that we can build out a product on, right? And so then they started building this product and that led to more and it started steamrolling. And if you are a roofing company looking for a website, you will run into this company. Like you will likely run into this uh, company. Um, and as I say that, I'm realizing it's not roofing, it's flooring. <laughs> it's actually not roofing, it's a flooring company. <laughs> um, I, I, I was literally trying to think of the name to not say it and realize that it's a flooring company, uh, not a roofing company. But same thing applies, right? One flooring company, two flooring companies, three flooring companies, floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can't, my, my girlfriend's on the other side of your laughing at me. Um, Grace is, let's see what Grace is saying here. Rymar, would love to hear your thoughts on that Twitter comment about definition of agency. Totally agree with what you said. Yeah. Let me get through this, um, temporary monopoly thing. And I do, I want to, I want to bring that up. I'd love to have Joe in on that too, though. Jay saying we've gone off the rails. That's the only way we do things here. 
you know, <laughs> you just go off the rails. Um, yeah. So going back to just close the thought on the temporary monopoly, you want to create a unique advantage inside of the space. Um, Joe's saying here, being first to market with a solution helps you create that temporary monopoly. You don't have to be first to market, but it does help. And you don't necessarily, oh, there he is. There's Joe. So you don't necessarily have to be the first to market, but you do have to be the best in the business, right? Apple wasn't the first company with a smartphone, right? Or with this, this type of smartphone. There was lots of those types of phones that existed before Apple came. They just did it better. There's lots of instances of companies. Facebook was not the first social network. They just did it better. And they created a temporary monopoly by growing so fast and kind of being the place that everybody came to that by the time other folks showed up, it becomes really hard to compete, right? And so this is where that temporary monopoly comes in. This is where like the focus of that is, is just creating a unique advantage for yourself that's very difficult to compete with down the road. And so um, Joe, share your thoughts on the temporary monopoly or even back on the uh, last topic of diversifying your leads uh, as you dropped out there. Yeah, sure. Um... I wanted to talk a, a little bit about how you can brand these, how you can position, position these. As we talk about, maybe you're in this one niche forever. Maybe you transition out and you do other niches. You grow your niche offering or you change it, redefine it. Think about how you brand these things. Uh, if you do flooring and then you also add medical, maybe you have two different landing pages for that so that the medical can focus on medical and flooring can focus on flooring. This will help you maintain that temporary monopoly of, hey, we are the flooring experts. When you start to add too many things to your flooring website, people will look and say, well, is this the flooring expert or is this just someone that makes a lot of good websites and a lot of them happen to be flooring? So, you know, be aware when you, when you brand this stuff that there's no right option here. It's how you want yourself to be seen, how you want the brand to be seen. And this helps with growth. It helps with maintaining that temporary monopoly. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go into the Q&A. Riley Jones, what's up? Just popping in to say hi. Uh, let's see. What it was, was that? Uh, love the train y'all are driving. Yeah, fresh you fin sweet gang. Yeah, we appreciate you too, Riley. Thanks everyone for hanging with us. Uh, Dale Jensen was asking, would like to hear some community stories covering this niche topic. Joe, do you want to get into anything? I mean, we have a, a niche inside of fin sweet. We don't have to give too many details. We do. I mean, because we do have a lot of work that we do, but there's a separate piece of the business that not a lot of people know about that is very niche based. Do you want to maybe talk just on that a little bit? Yeah, I would. I would love to. FinSuite takes all different types of websites. We, we will do anything. It doesn't matter. We are not industry specific. We are just Webflow specific. So we have this really general niche. But we do have one super focused one, and it's hotel websites. Websites to market and to start your booking proce process on a hotel. So how do we get into this? We met a company that was great at design. They are hotel marketing company and they wanted to find a partner who is development driven. So they found us, they design the hotel marketing websites. We develop the hotel marketing websites and we've been working together for, uh, I think 
a little over two years now. And there has to be over 70 hotel websites. Some of them really small, just one page landing pages. Some of them are rather large and part of hotel groups. And we focus really hard on that. And it's completely separate from the brand. You'll see some of it sprinkled on finsuite.com, but it's not like we're advertising it. We just have this sub piece that's really good at making hotel websites. So that's, that's a strategy. You know, that's, we don't even have that on the website. It's just focused on this one relationship that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's, that just goes to show that just because you have a niche doesn't mean you can't do the other stuff. Right. And so yeah. we have right. like, there's, there's a team that just builds hotel websites on FinSuite, you know, in FinSuite. Yeah. And like, we've created a whole vertical inside of the business that is just dedicated to building those types of websites. But we also do these other websites and about a year ago, you know, right as I joined the team, we made this switch into dev only, which is going to bring me into Joe. Grace asked earlier if we would address um, this tweet. I don't know if you saw this uh, last week. Let me do this real quick. I'm going to go to the screen, but then I'm going to also do one thing on the GFX mm -hmm. here. Okay, then let's push this. You, Sunny, uh, brought up, let's see, I'm seeing a bunch of Webflow agencies transitioning away from design to only doing Webflow dev work, which is kind of a niche move, right? Um, not too sure how I feel about this. In my viewpoint, the next step should be offering more concentrated services to eventually reach the title of a full cycle agency. And so um, a couple people replied, and then he goes, Kuberto and these other companies are good examples of full cycle agency. And then here's some examples of development focused agencies. And a few folks, you know, replied, FinSuite, this, that, the other. Um, and where would, hang on, I got to switch over to mine and go into these notifications. Where is it? Uh, right here. Okay. So I wanted to go through this a little bit because, um, after reading a few responses, Ayush comes back and said, I read a bunch of responses, respect all the opinions, but here's what I think. The goal of an agency to be a one stop partner. The goal of a freelancer is to be a skilled specialist. I look at that spin suite as a bunch of talented Webflow devs, not a design slash dev studio. And so my response was, why do you get to define what an agency is? And so if we look at the definition of an agency, it's a business or organization established to provide a particular service, typically one that involves two other parties. Right. And so um, and, and going back and forth, you misunderstand my point. FinSuite's open source Webflow add ons are revolutionary. I'm talking about the direction agencies are taking, becoming Webflow exclusive. Wanted to get some insights from agencies doing that successfully. And so my thought is like you're kind of contradicting the opinion here, because in one sentence, you're saying like, hey, fin what FinSuite's doing is great. The work you're doing is great but I'm not sure going Webflow specific is the right move or development only is the right news move. And I don't know, Joe, I'd actually like to see, to hear your thoughts on this um, because he's saying, I don't agree with the Webflow only approach. Your model might be working for you, which is great. Look at every top agency like Kuberto, Locomotive, et cetera. They are all multi-service focused. So, and I guess I would say like, well, just because they're doing that doesn't mean that somebody else can't do something else successfully. And so what say you, um, Joe, to any of this thoughts on like, you know, the whole kind of thread? Sure. Here? Yeah, I, I'd love to address that very first tweet that we see in the 
the retweeted version here. Okay, that last sentence for me is really conflicting. In my viewpoint, the next step should be offering more concentrated services, which is what we're doing. Going to Webflow Dev Work, this is more concentrated services. I think it's amazing how much better the FinSuite team has gotten at Webflow development by focusing on Webflow development. Everybody is essentially spending 2x the time on Webflow development because we are not spending any time on client design. So this is more concentrated, but then eventually reach the title of full cycle agency. If you do everything, you may not be really, really good at one thing. We want to be the leaders in Webflow development. We have no interest in designing. We're going to have cool branding. We're always going to be fun for design because we are in a design community, but we never want to offer that service. Or if we do, no, let me take that back. We never want to offer that service. <laughs> so this is just not part of our agency goals. Yeah. And it's great that these other agencies are doing this. Uh, very good for them. That's There are some companies out there that need the full cycle. And if they do need the full cycle, working with them would be great. A lot of our clients come to us specifically for the development service. They have a design team. They have a marketing team. They have a team that's been working in-house for years that knows what they want to do. And now they come to FinSuite and say, we want to develop these ideas in Webflow. We're really good at that. So we want those companies. We want the companies that have the design in-house, the marketing in-house. They know their company really well, and then they can translate what they want into a Webflow build using FinSuite. Mm. So this is the concentrated service. This is exactly what we're interested in doing. And I'd like everybody to think about agency as whatever you want. Yeah. It doesn't have to be full service. It doesn't have to be one service. It doesn't have to be niched. It could be literally anything. An agency in our context is a company that's offering services. I don't think it has to be any more complicated than that. Yeah. It's a company offering services in our industry. Well, and to be honest, like we're evolving from an agency to a products company. Like our goal we in are. a couple of years is to look back and just be the leader in products inside of Webflow. Webflow add-ons, Webflow tools, Webflow infrastructure, um, templates, clonables, things like this. And so... These big companies, these Cubertos or whatever other Horizon design or whatever, like they have their own path. And we always talk about not comparing your path to others, right? You have to find your path and do the things that are profitable and make sense for you as a business. And this is where we focus, right? Like we're doing what we do at FinSuite the way we do it and we do it well. And that was kind of my response, right? If we do it this way and you do it another way. Like you don't get to define what an agency is, what every agency is. Um, some agencies are design dev shops. Some agencies are just, you know, like they source the work. They're just client relationship and they have freelance. Like there's just all sorts of different ways to yeah. build an agency. And so um, let's see, somebody else was saying something here that I wanted to bring in. Uh, I think a lot of people do think of a niche as an industry, but it can really also be a set of tools, your style, your brand, your vibe, your more. Sure. A hundred percent. You could have like, and this, I think maybe not necessarily a niche, 
but it could also be considered a niche, just like this agency thing we were just talking about. It doesn't have to be a set agency. Your niche could be really funky, wild designs or illustrations. And so if somebody wants this style of look, they're going to come to you, right? This is another one of those things about standing out and drawing the work into you. So Jennifer, that's a perfectly valid point that like you could differentiate yourself and you could generate the niche for yourself by always making this one style of website. And then everybody wants that. There was this company called Sandwich Video, and I've been following them from the beginning. And they used to just make these super creative videos. And now if you go to Sandwich Video's website, like they won't talk to you for less than $150,000 to do a video. But it didn't start like that, right? They started creating just these really funky videos. And when you get a Sandwich Video, like you know, you've seen them, you've seen them all over the place. And so their niche is creating these beautifully impactful videos. And so, yeah, I agree 100% with that. Um, Jennifer's got a follow-up here. When I work over and over with the same industry, though, I'm much more confident in telling them what they need and using past clients and sales in conversations makes it really smooth. Yeah, this we talked about this earlier. This builds value. You know the language. You can connect with these folks in a way that other people cannot. And so, um, yeah. Okay. Um, I, think that's, I think that's that. I think we'll um, let the folks... Yeah, let's go back to this view. It's live right now. We'll go ahead and jump off of this just so that um, y'all can go and hang out with them if you'd like. This has been a great conversation on niches and becoming more effective with Webflow. Once again, we will not be here Thursday with a live build. Um, we will be back next Tuesday, though. We'll be doing um, probably the same thing, same place next Tuesday before I head back to the States. So, um, Joe, any closing thoughts? Yeah, great episode. Uh, I would love for people to follow up with us. If you've decided to pick your niche, if you have anything really valuable that you learned from this episode, please share it with us. We'd love to hear the progress of people and how you can use this show to make decisions in your business that help you grow. So we're listening. We want to hear this. We want to feature this. Tell us when you have success. Nice. Okay. Um, and that's that. We're going to leave it there. Appreciate everyone for showing up and hanging with us today. Um, we'll see you next week.